passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside Waiting. How are you tonight, Wei? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing okay as well. Well, uh, let's let's be okay together and uh, talk about this uh, edition of Raw. That's what we're going to get into. Um, interesting episode of Raw that we're going to break down. Was it though? Was um, it really? I think by just, I feel like anything that I dedicate three hours to on an evening, the least I can come out of it is say it was interesting. But that can that can mean anything. I've always told you interesting is my code word. For, like you can say mm-hmm. that can be positive, negative. It can be interpreted however you want. Like if you, Way came over tomorrow and you had dyed your hair green and half of it was orange, I would tell you that looks really interesting. I would certainly classify something like that as interesting. I think, though, the certain things are simply not interesting in that I have zero interest coming out of experiencing that thing. And I feel like this edition of Raw was one of those things. Well, that's probably not the description they wanted you to have coming out of that main angle, but we, we, we will get there. But I think that today... All of the focus was on last night and primarily the final 20 minutes of that dreadful pay-per-view. And I would say that like 98% of the responses were generally all in agreement. Like it's not too often you get such a one-sided reaction because of course you're always going to have the contrarians, but this was less so. This was a pretty adamant uh, this was just a terrible, terrible match and made for a terrible show overall. Well, who are, who are the 2%? Because I saw, like, this was a case where I could confidently say I think 100% of the responses were negative. Well, when I say 2%, I'm talking about the people who would come out and say, you know, there's been worse stuff, or it's, it's not even so much a defense of it. It's more just um, trying to, to lessen people's dismissiveness of uh of sunday but i don't know i i to me it's like i feel that there is this overall attitude that somehow because you're a fan you're not allowed to complain or it's somehow you're a bad person because you complain anybody that is listening to this anybody that is a fan especially someone that has spent money on a product 
you can absolutely feel free to complain about something. And you're not a toxic individual because you didn't like a wrestling match. You can be an asshole about it, but you can also just be, hey, this sucked. It absolutely sucked. And I don't think we have to go into a deep analysis about why. I think everyone can pretty much watch that match and say, yeah, sucked. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I don't dismiss people who perhaps feel like, you know, certain certain individuals, maybe even us, are sometimes too negative. I certainly feel like there there are moments where I feel that like that way about somebody else. But I also feel like there are moments where I think people are maybe overly complimentary about something that, you know, but the, the thing is, there often, I would say most things exist in a gray area where you might like something, but I might not like something. And that's where you might get a bit of disagreement. Yesterday, though, I would say was pretty much unanimous. Even people who are typically defenders or, or, of, of, you know, wrestling or WWE-specific wrestling were pretty negative on that match. Yeah, and, you know, coming out of it, uh, what I what I did hear on Monday that there, there was another idea they had of finishing the match, but it ultimately was scrapped in favor of what we got on Sunday and that this was largely, this was a Vince McMahon idea. And that's how it was. It, that's how it was crafted, and that's how we saw it uh, play out. But do you, do you um, know what the other finish was? You know, so, something to the effect of like Bray taking some like really big bump, and that would cause the match finish. But ultimately, he would like rise up. That's what I heard from one person. Oh, you mean and, like being stuffed into a casket and then maybe having the no, casket? Uh, no, we would not see a. No, we would not see a Marty Janetti airlifted up into the rafters uh in oh i had no idea outfit. that was marty Janetti. are you kidding me wow yeah that's that's was the the legend is that that was marty Janetti. wow up, uh, in the providence civic center royal um, rumble 94 everybody rewind away so that, tomorrow. Will, that will be covered on rewind away on how Tuesday. appropriate how great uh, it really is because i do believe that we have quite the uh companion angle to go with sunday's hell in a cell finish yeah, yeah, where the Undertaker uh, is stuffed into a casket after the entire heel locker room comes out after a match with Yokozuna, a casket match, and then he ascends to the heavens, first of all, appearing on a screen, explosions, ga- green gas, the works, as he, uh, <laughs> he he takes a short break before re- coming back, reborn with purple gloves. As you look at this... Um... You know, do you have any thoughts on, you know, this being Vince McMahon's idea to end this pay-per-view? And I should mention, Fightful has also been uh, reporting on this as well. You know, this all centers back to Vince McMahon. But does that give you uh, just a cause? Like, this was a very... I, I just don't understand how anyone looks it, at that and does thinks... Does it give me that, cause, John? How long have we been doing this show? I think I, I just I lost, find it astounding. I've lost I find cause it astounding. a long time ago. A guy who has made his entire living <laughs> in promoting professional wrestling, and like I heard from people in the company who were like, "Yeah, it was, didn't think this was going to work," and that's what happened. It's like anyone who looked at this, I think, could have predicted what the outcome was going to be. That people were going to totally shit on this, and that mm-hmm. is what happened. And it, like, there are times we see bad angles. Bad angles happen. Uh, this to me was. I don't know. It was maybe it's something that in a week or two we're not even going to remember this. But I don't know. Uh, Four hours later, this was a this was really bad. It was very bad, 
And I felt really bad afterwards for the two performers that I don't care who you had in there. There was no one pulling off what they were set out to do uh, with Rollins and Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I'm just picturing Steve Austin, like in the Seth Rollins role. Well, think about who you are. This is not you, Steve. Well, this did, is did not you hear? You. Did you hear any of Chris Jericho with Ariel Hawani last week? I did not. No. He mentioned the fact that, you know, there's no assholes in the locker room in AEW. And th- this was when they were talking about CM Punk and Ariel, like, followed up. It's like, are you saying, you know, something to the effect of, like, is Punk an asshole? And Jericho kind of, like, stepped back. He said, no, like, I've been an asshole before. Steve Austin has been an asshole. It's like these guys that are in these positions, sometimes you do have to be the asshole. And I would say that maybe those two guys, it's okay. And who knows? Maybe they were fighting this tooth and nail. Uh, Maybe we don't know. But Mm -hmm. I, I think overall that there is a belief that, you know, you just go out there and you carry what's been presented to you. And I, I think that, you know, you talk about an Austin, someone that, you know, he was not going to go out there and lose a match to Jonathan Coachman because it was stupid and he was right. And for as much flack as he's gotten about the Brock Lesnar thing, that was an awful idea to lose unannounced on Raw as well. So sometimes you do have to be an asshole in situations where there's bad stuff thrown at you. And ultimately, it's going to have the biggest effect on you. Vince McMahon will move on to another story, another character, another angle. But you are a commodity and you have to be kind of have your own agency about you to see how your character, which is your lifeblood is utilized in these kinds of angles. I think it's really hard to comment on that without knowing exactly how much input, you know, the performers had uh, who else besides Vince McMahon might've had some input into the angle whose idea it really was, uh, you know, all the different components attached to this. But, um, you know, we've seen like so much of, like Cain Velasquez recently talking to CM Punk before, you know, deciding to work with the WWE in that interview with, with uh, Mark, Mark Ramundi after Fox uh, on Friday. You know, uh, Punk told Kane as a bit of advice before getting to the WWE, according to Kane, be a team player. And I feel like, you know, maybe in the past that was, you know, somebody like Steve Austin wanting to speak out. I feel like maybe they've bred a culture where something like that is really frowned upon because they have ways of weeding out people that aren't team players. Yeah. And where is like, how much has that mindset changed to when, you know, you're a Seth Rollins, he's going to make incredible money year in year out. It's, you know, is this a, is this a hill I'm going to die on where, it's 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 large. It's a much different business than it was in Steve Austin's era, where drawing at house shows, drawing on pay per views, that was going to make an enormous difference in in what you were ultimately going to make. And today, I think guys have uh, a more steadier income, and it's kind of sh- like professional wrestling has somewhat shifted now to where it's like I'm a character on a television show, and I'm just going to you know whatever's presented at me, cool. And we see, we see that with, with, a, with a lot of guys. Like, we can watch the creative right now. I'm sure there are people that are not all that uh, over the moon with what's presented at them. But they go out and they do it. Yeah. So, you know, John, after watching Raw, do you have any indication about whether or not Vince McMahon or the company itself, how much they recognize that last night was a swing and a miss? 
or was it just something that they were they will ignore and, and proceed with uh, whatever they had originally planned? Are oh. our plans changed after this? Oh. Well, obviously tonight, if you're just watching tonight's show, um, it was as minimal a mention of that main event as you could possibly put into that show with a two-minute highlight package that was buried in the third hour. Now, on top of that, I noted earlier today that coming off of that show, uh, Bray Wyatt and Sasha Banks were not medically cleared for tonight. So I I more so look at the, the creative for Sasha that that might have made a change. But for Bray, like, again, we don't know what the timetable is for either of these two, what the injuries are, what if they're significant or not. Bray, you would figure that even if he was not medically cleared, you could do something with him on the show. It's not like this guy was going to be wrestling on TV, but they opted to keep Seth Rollins off the show as well. So I don't know if some of that had to do with Bray's lack of clearance, or it was just, we had an awful, awful presentation the night before, and let's just keep them both off TV tonight. But it was very, very noticeable that that main event was mentioned the absolute bare minimum without completely ignoring it, which going into that third hour, you were almost thinking they might do. What did you uh, make of uh, the report from some sites saying that um, there was a tweet from the WWE about a rematch between Bray and Rollins to take place at Survivor Series that was later on deleted? Yeah, this was tweeted out by the WWE, correct? Yes, according to to these reports. And then and then removed. Yeah, I didn't see the tweet, but it's um it, it's kind of strange that they would be announcing something for Survivor Series this far out and before the draft. So, I don't know. I didn't hear any word if like if that was just a mistake or if that was a legitimate plan that they just decided not to uh tweet out. I mean, you watch it and I mean, that finish, did you take the I'm sure you had many conclusions after that match, but was one of them deep down the list uh, that they will come back with this match? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was an inconclusive finish, so you would you would assume that is so. true. Yes. I Which mean, they, I don't know they what were, they were stating afterwards was a a match stoppage instead of a disqualification. I mean, after putting these two in hell in a cell, I really don't know what other stipulation you could add on top of it to ensure that you would this time have a, fi- a fi- final. Uh, finish i guess to me to me that makes even less sense for last night that okay we'll give them a real finish at another pay-per-view but we're not going to do it here yeah tables match anyway um yeah so we've got the the draft coming up now and i i don't know do, do you honestly do you just uh grin and bear it and just hope that you know all of this negativity over this feud just uh, evaporates over the next week and you just continue yeah. with it or do these two go their separate ways because i would be opting for the latter to be quite honest you know uh yeah that's interesting do you continue this feud clearly there's, there's a bigger story to be told and i think it, there's so much unresolved that i think you have to uh follow through especially like on the part of somebody like seth rollins who you know listen he went through a life-changing decision last night he had to reach into he had to attempt murder and I think he has to, you know, you, you, we all kind of like joke about how ridiculous the story is and how I think poorly acted out it really was by the end. But I mean, Seth, you still have to like follow through with some story. He at least has to talk about it. And I think ultimately it has to result in some type of firm conclusion between he and Bray Wyatt on screen. 
Uh, so I would assume that they would do another match. It, it's a tough ask, I think, to um, get people interested in again without, you know, having to, without reminding everybody about just how bad yesterday was. That to me is the real challenge. How do you do a rematch without reminding people about the negativity that they felt yesterday? They need to come through whatever they promise with both of them in the, in the future. They need to, you know, give a real make good to the audience, ensure that there's going to be a finish and ensure that there won't be stupid red lighting and, you know, just give the fans what they really want to see. And that's probably just a good match and maybe even a title win. Give the fans what they want to see. That is way easier said than done. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, like that decision of where they go next, it very well could be tied to whatever the timetable is for Bray to be cleared. I mean, it could like when I heard from someone at the company today, it was like, they didn't have a timetable yet. So it could be a day to day thing. It could be longer. So I guess they have to figure that out first and then plan accordingly. Huh. Okay. So um, I guess we can, at this point, uh, do you want to chat about the shows this week or do you want to just continue with, uh, with news? Let's because... get into a bit of the schedule and then we'll uh, proceed with some news. Well, we're going to be back on Tuesday. As Way mentioned, it is the return of Rewind Away Tuesday night and we're chatting the Royal Rumble 1994, which... Way a classic you, show. You have loved re- reliving. Oh, and you haven't, John. Uh, you're gonna find out tomorrow what I oh, what boy. I thought of this show. I look forward to it. Yeah, that is on our Patreon feed, postwrestlingcafe.com. Thank you to all of you who recently signed up for the month. You will get a bonus show tomorrow, as well as on Friday, of course, the new home of Rewind of SmackDown. But first, on Wednesday, we are back with our second edition of Rewind of Dynamite, our weekly AEW review, right here on this free feed. That is right. We will be back with our brand new show, reviewing Wednesday night's offering of AEW Dynamite. Conversely, Braden and Davey will have their own show up Wednesday night, up next, reviewing NXT and what they come back with this week uh, after last week's outcome against Dynamite. Thursday, we'll be going through both shows and taking lots of your phone calls on the Cafe Hangout. You can check that out 3 p.m. Eastern Time. All members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, regardless of your level, can tune in live at 3 p.m. and call in or Skype. Uh, We want to get your reaction to Wednesday night as well as whatever news is happening this coming Thursday. Quickly becoming my favorite part of the week is the Cafe Hangout 3 o'clock on Thursdays. I mean, it was a... it was great last week. We were just inundated with phone calls. It was a lot of fun coming off the uh, the first week of uh, AEW and NXT, and the chat room was 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 just full of activity. Yeah, it was great. We fast forward to Friday, and that will feature Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, that will be a show for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Friday night, we'll be going through the first night of the WWE Draft that's happening in Las Vegas on Friday. Then on Saturday, WH Park is back. The two of us will be previewing New Japan's King of Pro Wrestling card that's going down next Monday. We'll also be going over the candidates in the Japanese category for this year's Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame and chatting a bunch of other shows uh, coming up and stuff that WH has checked out. And then the week wraps up Sunday with an interview I'll be doing with David Lagana of the NWA. Their show, Power, is going to be debuting tomorrow night, 6.05 Eastern, on their Facebook and YouTube channel. And we'll have a couple days to watch the show and then chat with uh, David Lagana about the tapings from last week and everything about the NWA and I'm sure many other subjects as well of what's going on in the industry. So you can check that out Sunday here at postwrestling.com. 
And then next Monday, just looking ahead, we'll have a review of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's King of Pro Wrestling uh, special on Monday on the Post Wrestling Cafe as well. Yes. Uh, Davey Portman is also going to have some reviews of Evolve this weekend. Uh, so those will be up uh, this weekend. And I did want to make mention that Tuesday on the website, uh, Andrew Thompson is going to have an interview uh, with female performer Faye Thompson or Faye Jackson. I'm sorry, uh, who is going to be uh, joining him to chat about uh, her run in Ring of Honor, wrestling for Beyond Wrestling and several other topics. So that'll be up on the site uh, Tuesday morning. So you can check all of that stuff out uh, over at postwrestling.com. But now we can uh, move on over to the rest of the news items that are going on and we talked about the uh, the issues coming out with uh, with Bray Wyatt and Sasha Banks, so there isn't a whole lot to add there. Uh, we didn't get to talk really about the uh, the SmackDown numbers from this past weekend, and we did get the overnight numbers on Saturday, and I believe the final number should be out on Tuesday. But uh, looking uh, pretty good for Fox, they did three million nine hundred twenty thousand viewers on Fox. Uh, from 8 to 9 p.m. and then 3,818 from 9 till 10. So averaging uh, 3,869,000 viewers. That was the overall number. Was that higher or lower than what you expected, Way, for the, the big push that they had on Friday? I think by the end we had we had both guessed maybe somewhere upwards of 4, 4 million. But, I mean, this is in that range, so I would say perhaps. But, you know, these network numbers, I think, to me, are, are kind of new, so I don't really have a great barometer. Um, how would this... You know, obviously, they, they seem to consider this as a success. Um, but, you know, uh, what do we know in terms of demographics? What do we know in terms of maybe how it compares to previous uh, shows on in this time slot and, and its competition? Well, among adults 18 to 49 and adults 25 to 54, they won the night. So that was very strong for them. They did a, a 1.4 in the first hour, a 1.3 in the second among 18 to 49 with an eight share and then did a 1.6 among adults 25 to 54. So those are very, very solid numbers uh, for Fox and uh, winning the night in those demographics. So uh, the, the overnights, they monitor the, the top metered markets and doesn't include uh, the West Coast where it airs on delay as well. So the final number uh, may be a little bit above that, but this is a pretty close to um, accurate number. But that's kind of the the difference in the tabulation for network numbers but you know i guess i guess the big question is now that we know what they're doing on that first night what do you predict for weeks two three and so on i think that this week um i'm expecting a decline this week um i I think the rock made a big difference on this one as well as just so much promotion for that that first launch but i the draft will, will, will be good for them though I think it will be good for them, and I'm interested to see how much Fox pushes the draft this week. My guess would be pretty significantly given their commitment here and what they showed going into the first week. Um, I, I, I'm thinking they're going to do around 3.4 million around that. I, I, I do think there will be a bit, a, bit, a bit of a drop from week one. Yeah, I think The Rock obviously makes a big difference, though. I, I mean, I, I would probably venture my guess maybe somewhere in between your guess and what they did this week. Yeah, Fox also sent out a uh, a press release that made its way to my inbox. So uh, Fox tracking us down way. Um, so they combined the numbers for uh, Fox, for Fox Deportes, and from their streaming uh, service. And they said that the peak was the first 15 minutes, which was the Rock Becky uh, Baron Corbin segment that had 
uh, just over 4.2 million viewers. So that was that was the high point of the show. And they listed the overall audience at 3,999,000 viewers. But again, that's incorporating, um, you know, two channels and streaming figures as well. Okay. So I guess I guess go. we await the real the real number uh Tuesday. Why did they come out Tuesday? Uh it just takes longer with the the network numbers are um especially for, for from the weekend to tabulate. I mean that's just always same with like the UFC. You'd have to wait Tuesday to get the the final number, but you'd always have the overnights to kind of get a decent gauge of where things were. The difference is that um UFC they typically you know, because it was live sports, there was the chance of an overrun and it would it would just bleed over and it might interrupt a local newscast with SmackDown. Um, I actually I was speaking to someone in the in the company who explained to me that um, one of the the big commercial spots is the uh, three and a half minutes going in to the local news broadcast. So SmackDown actually has an underrun and the drop dead time for SmackDown is 9.56.30 p.m. So that's why if you notice when SmackDown ends, it's at 9.56. They have to be out with three and a half minutes to go because of that, um, because of that spot break, which apparently is a a lucrative one leading into, um, you know, the affiliates uh, newscast. Right, interesting. So you won't be seeing overruns on SmackDown. Extra important that they hit their cue. Yes, it seems like it's an important, like it was described to me as a drop dead time, 9.56.30. So anyway, that is uh, all your uh, ratings math notes. Uh, Some other news uh, to go through here. Uh, Well, what else do we have here? AEW has announced a number one contenders match for this Wednesday show between Darby Allin and Jimmy Havoc. And they're using they're, this is like the start of using the records and who each guy has beaten to justify this. And the winner will get a title shot against Chris Jericho the following week uh, against uh, against Jericho in Philadelphia. Okay. Um. So what are is Darby Allen and and Jimmy Havoc are they the winningest members of the roster? Well, um, can that be the, right? Well, the story is that uh, Darby Allen beat Shima in a dark match last week, and then he also he won the Cracker Barrel three way, didn't he? Yes, did he? I don't, I don't remember. I think he did. I believe he did. Um, I'll look it up. But but what okay, about Jimmy you, Havoc? You look Cause it up because he, he lost that match. Jimmy Havoc was in that match, so I, I don't know their records off the top of my <laughs> headway. But um, you know, so, someone didn't. Someone pointed this out, and my my memory is not uh, recalling who pointed this out, but. Credit is Jimmy Havoc thrown out won, into won. the universe. Jimmy Havoc, Jimmy won, Havoc won. Okay, <laughs> um, so I'm sure. I'm sure there's a. Uh, I'm sure Darby Allen has. He has oh, the Shima win. He won the dark match. Yeah, that's and he had the draw with Cody. I'll let them explain it. That's anyway, I'm sure it makes um, sense in their but mind. But what, what someone pointed out, and I, and I kind of like this idea, is Darby Allen beating Jimmy Havoc gets the title shot against Chris Jericho, and then Jericho beats the guy that Cody could not beat going into the title match because Cody and Darby had the draw. Right. Okay. That's fine. Sure. I'm just I'm just saying it's a story yeah. that they could do. But then um, that, they, cuts, that cuts Darby off, doesn't it? But I guess you, you're not really going to headline with Darby Allen right at this point anyway. I, I would kind of prefer the, the other way around where maybe it had been Jericho going the draw and then Cody, the challenger, is able to beat the guy Jericho couldn't. I think it works a little bit better that way. But we'll see what they do. They could also do Jericho and Jimmy Havoc. 
Either way, it's going to be a weird match for Jericho yeah. the next week. And yeah. I'm kind of intrigued to see Jericho with with some of these other guys. I'm definitely curious. I think it's a great TV match. I'm also really curious to see how they will continue to justify these, you know, records um, for, for, for number one contenders matches. Because essentially what they're committing to is G1 season that lasts to, till eternity. And, you know, G1 math, I think, is tough enough as it is. But imagine trying to book that forever the entire year so um at this point with everybody having like oh and one records or one and oh records it, it's probably quite relatively simple but what if somebody gets injured and if you have these plans lined out i'm, I'm really curious to see how they do it uh they also announced that the december 11th episode they're going to be going to texas garland texas at the curtis colwell center so they're uh continuing to to um, hit different parts of the country now, getting away and now uh, going. Texas is like the furthest they've gone so far. Cool. Yeah. Slowly making their way out west. And the big one way, it was made official today on uh, Ariel Hawani's show, of all places. Tito Ortiz versus Alberto El Patron on pay-per-view on Saturday, December 7th, thirty nine ninety nine for this fight. Uh, that'll be a Combate Americas card, and it's going to be going that same night. There's a free card on ESPN from the UFC. So, remember there, they, was, John. Yeah. You remember there was a time when when people were complaining to like, you know, us that MMA and wrestling have nothing in common and that they shouldn't uh, well, be covered on the same show. Well, this past week there was quite a bit in the uh, the opposite, uh, both ways, both directions. Yes. So do, they're also putting uh, – <laughs> so I guess Alberto has – when he became champion, he had a physical belt that he got, and Tito has his own, like, UFC belt or something. So they're going to be putting their physical belts on the line. Like Tito's old, like, light heavyweight championship? I think so. Oh, my God. Okay. This is how it was explained on, on the show. And what – sorry, what's, what's Alberto El Patron's belt? The WWE belt. Oh my god, really? So the winner will get control, <laughs> physical control of their That's awesome. belts. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> did you see the angle they did in the in the ring to to set this up a no. couple weeks back? No. Okay. Between that, between maybe what you saw with Jack's sweat, uh, that compared to like Ken Shamrock this week, like what? what how how did it fare? Okay, of all the MMA crossovers over the past week, I'm going to rank them, okay? Yeah. At the bottom, I think, has been uh, Tito and Alberto. Oh, okay, no good then. I'm going to go in ascending order. Then I would go with the uh, the Jake Hager introduction. Mm-hmm. Then number two, might surprise some people, Ken Shamrock and Moose. I think they've been cutting some really good promos on TV and... I thought it was like the high point of impact on on Friday night where they did the the clips from the press conference, which not only featured Ken Shamrock and Moose, but the story that Ken is training with Stefan Bonner while Moose has enlisted the services of TNA alumni Frank Trigg. That's right. Frank Trigg is back. Um, wow. Moose is actually he both both guys are Shamrock and Moose. I I don't know how great the match is going to be, but the promos have been very good from these two for Bound for Glory. And number one is uh, the Kane Brock. Mm. 
I thought gotcha. that was the best one. But look at that. That's that's four angles that we got over the last week in mm-hmm. some form or fashion. Yeah. Am I missing out on any? Am I am I overlooking any? I feel like there was maybe another one. Uh I don't know. There's something somewhere. Anyway. I mean, if you don't count Tyson Fury, I suppose. Right. Well, yeah, we got Tyson Fury to get to as well. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you if you're going to be watching Tito Ortiz and Alberto Alpatron. I know the answer. I have a curiosity. Absolutely. I love the show fights. This is the MMA analysis I want from you, okay? I don't always ask you MMA questions, but your breakdown of Israel Adesanya's entrance at Marvel Stadium on Saturday. Oh, the entrance? I thought it was really cool. It was like a... Phenomenal. Yeah, traditional... um, what is the name? The Hakka? What is, what is that called? I, I don't know if this the was name? a Hakka dance. This was a... Uh, Hakka oh. is like, you know, where you're, you know, doing the, the screams. Isn't and... that what this was? No. Oh, okay. Uh, unless you, unless you uh, saw... They did do... what When they arrived uh, in the city at the airport, there was this huge group, and they did, what like, the this whole Hakka dance for Israel Adesanya. But, yeah, this walking out was just him, and these were, like, childhood friends of his, and... Like, if you see this jumping, like, cartwheel leap that he does, and this guy's about to, he's going in for a five-round fight. It was just amazing to watch uh, this guy. And then he defeats Robert Whitaker. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. That main event was awesome. It was fantastic. But what, what uh, how would you grade my my Marvel DC tweet? Brilliant. Uh, 10 out of 10. Absolutely. I, I only did that tweet with you in mind. I, I won't lie. I was I was out during the day. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I wonder who's doing commentary tonight. And I was like, I bet you it should be John Anik and Joe Rogan doesn't do the international ones. And I wonder if it's Daniel Cormier. And then I was like, DC at Marvel Stadium. And I was ready way. I didn't know if he was doing commentary till I ordered the pay-per-view that night. And then when I saw him, I was ready. I had that tweet. I had like the bullets in the chamber and I was ready. And I don't know what it says about Twitter, that that was probably uh, my most circulated tweet I have ever uh, sent out. Well, you need to get to an award. There's no award for getting retweets or likes. It's like, it's it's literally like a video game. Like, that's what Twitter is. And you have a score. A life score. It clearly translates to human worth. How important you are. Of course. In life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But then I, I, I checked in and uh, exchanged all my cred on the show when I, I thought that uh, What's-His-Nuts, uh, Deadpool was a DC franchise. Oh. Yeah. Guess what? I was alerted afterwards that it's Marvel. That, there's no excuse for that one, John. <laughs> it's too confusing. I think Marvel, I think of if, if they weren't in Endgame, then they aren't Marvel. I have a lot to explain to you. Have you, are, you are going to see The Joker on tomorrow, Tuesday night, correct? Tomorrow, I'm very excited. A lot of controversy about this movie. I know, I know. I, I'm actually going to try and see it so that we can talk about it, but if not, you can spoil me on, on Wednesday. No, no, no. I'll, okay, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. I started listening to a podcast today about it, and it was going, it was like going into all these details about this movie, and I was like, I, oh, I don't know. Oh, no. You had it spoiled for you already? It wasn't so much spoiled, like I knew what I was listening to. This is on me, but I decided, like, I was like, ah, they're just going through the entire movie here. So if I'm going to watch this tomorrow, I might as well just uh, turn this off. And I did. And you know what? I checked outside, and uh, the earth did not explode. Um, my life didn't end. It was okay. 
I might see a movie where I know things that happened in it, and I think I'm okay with that. But I'm kind of intrigued to see it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think sure. this is a real controversy, or do you think this is just people creating a controversy? I mean, I'll have to let you know. Um, I haven't seen it myself. I'm so. not up on what... Well, I, I know the, the bare facts about... Uh, this movie being discussed. But anyway, maybe we can talk about that later. So anyway, that was everyone's weekend. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Uh, and I hope you spent it with with uh, with us. God knows we did enough shows over the last uh, week. I think you and I have done a show every day since Wednesday. And I think that that's going to be our life from now on. Well, we're doing, we've got the Rumble review tomorrow. Got a show Wednesday. We got a show Thursday. We got a show Friday. Yeah. Saturday. Thank God. We're, we're going to get uh, Thanksgiving off way. Well, you're going to be doing a show with WH, so you'll be there. Sure. Yes. Saturday, uh, I guess. And you'll be there on Sunday because you'll be doing a show with uh, our interview with Dave Lagana. And then, John, we'll make up for the weekend because we'll be talking to each other twice on Monday, next Monday. Oh, my God. That's right. We're doing two shows next Monday. We're going to have a yeah. King of Pro Wrestling review during the day. And then we got Raw. The, the draft is next Monday. So it's actually a big Raw. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what have we signed up for? <laughs> this is crazy. All right. Uh, let's get into Raw. Are you ready? Anything else? I'm Any ready. loose ends? All right. We started off the show from Bakersfield, California at the Robo Bank Arena. Uh, and Robo they recap Bank Arena. R A B O B A N K. Robo Bank. Robo Bank. Robo Bank. Yeah, that's Whoa. what it sounds like. It sounds like they're encouraging me to go Robo Bank. Okay. They recap the Lana and Bobby Lashley angle from last week and. I don't always watch these recaps, but when I saw them mixing in clips of Total Divas and the two exchanging their vows, it took a real sick individual to cut this feature. It took a real sick individual to come up with this storyline. What an immoral company this is. This was, they're literally like, they're showing clips of like the two, of Lashley and Lana making out as the two, as they have the audio of their like wedding vows over top of Lashley's tongue going down Lana's throat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great heat. Yeah. They immediately cut, this was like uh, jarring. They go to the, the new, um, uh, skillet, skillet, uh, open and then boom, we just cut to the ring and Randy Orton and King Corbin are stomping down Rusev inside of the ring. And then Lashley appears on the screen in a bathrobe and it's revealed that he's wearing Rusev's bathrobe because he's in Rusev's house, in Rusev's bedroom, and he climbs into the bed as Lana walks into the shot, gets into the bed with Lashley and says that everything that they own is now in her name, and they no longer have a joint checking account, as she proceeds to remove her bra and presumably have sex with Bobby Lashley. Presumably. Maybe they were just, you know, cuddling or just talking. Maybe they just decided to talk. Um, you also they, they also mentioned how um, Lashley said, like, oh, you... You probably should have sent all that money to your family back in Bulgaria rather than uh, spending it on Lana. Yeah, we have have another babyface now who has monetary issues. Oh, sure. I mean, throw it all in there. You know, the cuckold thing, the the, uh, money. I mean, how how much more relatable can you make this guy? I was waiting for this segment to end with Lashley uh, announcing that he's going back to his OVW name. Which was what? 
Blaster Lashley. Oh, ew. Nasty. So that's how this segment ended. This is very oh much... Oh my god. Rusev, like, they cut they cut the Rusev and, like, they, they tried to, like... Obviously on the script is like, oh, Rusev has a puppy dog face. And that's what you, you saw from the actor here. Trying to, like... You know, if you got mad at him for not running down the ramp last week, I don't know if you'd be too happy about this. Yeah, either. his it seemed like his challenge was trying to cry. Yes, yes. Or maybe he was, guy. like, actively, you know, thinking about his career. So this story is pretty much the... The WCW, Randy Savage, Ric Flair, Elizabeth Angle, where Elizabeth, while Savage and Elizabeth were legitimately divorced, and Elizabeth got all of his money and was spending it with Ric Flair. Because we've added now the wrinkle here that Rusev is now, um, what, out of money? Uh, Yeah, now that he is, yeah. I mean, he's now just a poor WWE wrestler on TV. Oh, this man has not only taken his wife, he's taken his life savings as well. Because all those things are physical possessions, of course, as we're uh, instructed. So, you know. This would seem like you're admitting to fraud on national television, and I, I don't know if... Why? Why is that fraud? She uh, has it. She has the money, legally. She has, she has cut him out of his own joint checking account. Like, is doesn't that, that, that take? Fraud? Doesn't that require at the, ver- the bare minimum a signature from... Uh, Mr. Rusev, you're talking about a uh, a reality where somebody could get fired in a ladder match, or somebody could like I don't know be somebody's slave by losing a match, or custody of a child can be called up for grabs in in a wrestling match as well. So I don't know if they really need to follow all those rules. Maybe the judicial system is just lacking ladders. Sure. Ladder matches, yeah. I mean, next time you get into a, you know, fender bender ladder match. Be all, all right. Uh, we're going to get Donald Trump, and uh, we're going to get Nancy Pelosi. And you know what, Nancy? If you can grab the briefcase, then you know what? The Senate is going to have to uh, rule in favor of you uh, on these if, if the impeachment goes through. Dude, sign me up. I paid like nine ninety nine for that. There you go. Yeah, man. Uh, this story, man. I don't know, dude. Like, it's, it's just. Are Are you surprised uh, at all? They decided to start with this as well. Uh, no, not really, not anymore. Because what else were you going to start off with on this show? Like, clearly, this was one of their big angles outside of uh, the main event, uh, Tyson Fury thing. What else did they have on this show? I, th- I think they felt very high on this angle that it was the most talked about thing last week and they started it off immediately. Um, then and then I'm, we just, I'm and then sure. we just went into the, the, uh, I guess the, uh, post coital angle with Rusev having to react to this and Orton and Corbin are laughing at him. It's literally like I was watching three 12 year olds in the schoolyard and Rusev just starts like steam comes out of his ears and he gets angry and he just murders these two on the floor as the crowd chants for Rusev and he delivers machka kicks to both and then storms off to do what? I have no idea. Maybe to go to his side job. <laughs> Between this angle. Andy and they're off total divas. So he's not even getting that check anymore. So. Oh yeah, no, it's this terrible. poor guy. I feel bad. Don't you feel like he's more relatable now, John? You know, he's he lost his wife. He's lost his 
uh, money. He's probably going to lose his job. So, you know, you probably want to cheer for him after this. Between this, between, like, the cuckold thing, between the shorty G angle, like, how did we, how did we get here in 2019? You're just out of touch. You're out of touch. You don't understand what makes a baby face these days. You've got to have these, you've got to have, like, humility as your your defining trait. And you have to be uh, beholden to your audience. I mean, that's, you know, that's what makes, um, to me, uh, a great performer is you've got to feel, man, my life is so much better than this guy's. I want to spend money to watch this piece of garbage. Like, we're talking about a man's ideas of how to make baby faces here, you know, by making them so sad, uh, physically, you know, oftentimes, like, uh, in terms of uh, their, their relationships or financially, that you just feel bad for them and you want them to fire up. I mean... God, it's an it's an attempt, but I just I see no other forms of media that are out there that are successful that are employing these very tactics. Yeah, I w- I would just love like this kind of these ideas to have been installed in say. I'm not 19- even th- I'm not even thinking about Drake Maverick. There's another one. No, I'm just imagining like this this Vince McMahon in 1984. What would wrestling have become if he was, jeez, you know what, Hulk? Andre's going to be with Linda, and this will set up WrestleMania because yeah. Linda's got your money, and you've got to work WrestleMania because the payoff is going to get you through the spring, or else you're yeah. broke. And if you beat Andre, you get to have sex with your wife. And then you're going to reveal that Andre is impotent. Oh, my. Who would be Shorty Gable in that era? Danny Davis? Sure. Short short D. (laughs) Short D. Okay. Lacey Evans is out by uh, a trash can, which... Contained the remnants of last night's main event. Natalia's name was written on the trash can. And she says that it is time to take out the trash. And she is going to do so after she beats Natalia in a last woman standing match. So they had a match. And they had a long match. They fought on the floor. Natalia hit her with a snap suplex. Attacked her in the ribs. Applied the sharpshooter. But the announcers noted that's not going to do anything. She'll still be, she still needs to be down for a 10 count. So there's a table brought out by Lacey Evans. Everyone cheers. So then she proceeds to put it back underneath the ring to get booze. Natalia is then tossed into the steps. And the heat of this match was Natalia pretty much telling Lacey, just destroy me. Throw me into every hard part of this ringside area and I'll just sell. She was thrown into the post, into chairs. She was seated in a chair, and then a kendo stick was put in like she was strapped into a roller coaster and then shoved over so she was trapped in a seated chair. Well, I thought that was pretty clever, actually. This was... um, That should have been the finish. This was more clever. uh, The women have had some clever kendo stick spots over the last 24 hours between Sasha and Becky with the chair on top of the kendo stick in the cell and Mm -hmm. then this. Yeah. 
um, there was a trash can full of garbage that was thrown at Natalia, and then Lacey went for a moonsault off the barricade, but did not come anywhere close. Natalia then got, uh, this was the best. They go up the ramp, and we talked about the new Raw set, and people were joking about this being like a skateboard ramp. <laughs> I didn't pay too much attention to it last week. It was like, whatever, they've got their unique design. When Natalia got thrown onto this thing, and then she just rolls down this this ramp, it looked like the most goofiest thing in the world. You can never have a wrestler bump on this thing again because you'll laugh every time. It looks so silly. Well, it looked fun as hell. I it, love. It looked like fun. a slide. It looked like yeah. a, a slide that you would like just want to go down. Yeah. This is not designed to elicit um fear that the performer is injured so they should, have, went, they should have really had the set with like the sharp tacks and you know big spikes yeah there should just Hit. be daggers coming out of it so it's like you just uh murder somebody if they're thrown in here she went down the slide again natalia then attacked her with her own suplex and then with a table set up off the stage Natalia powerbombed Evans off the stage, sending Evans to her death, and won the match in 17 minutes and 9 seconds. Yeah, um, you know, I'll say, like, if you kind of, like, condense this match to all the big spots, I think they they did a good job of, um, you know, delivering, I think, brutal hits. But spread out amongst all the 10 counts in 17 minutes... The pace of it, as you know, is the problem with a lot of last man standing matches, actually became kind of unbearable. You know, it was just like one hit and then they'd restart the count. What made it worse, and the announcers called called her out on this, was the fact that Lacey, every time she attacked Natalia with another kendo stick shot or something else, the referee kept restarting the count. So it yeah, was there really was one where Natalia was like at eight on the ground and then you just restarted and it's like she had never gotten to her feet. Made no sense. Made no sense why why Lacey would do that. So it's, in terms of believability, I mean, that kind of took you out. But I'll, I'll say for the most part, like, it's really, it's a tough ask, I think, to, to, to get people to get into the pace of a match like a last man standing match for 17 minutes for a feud that is completely cold. You know, a feud that I don't think uh, people really even had the patience for like a five minute match for, much less a 17 match with 10 counts lined out all, all in between. So I like the finish a lot. The power bomb off the ramp was something I really didn't expect with these two. It looked great. Natalia performed it wonderfully, but overall I thought it was a really boring, pretty repetitive match. I, I thought for a Lacey Evans match, this was a very ambitious ask of her. And for that, maybe I'm bell curving it a bit. I, I thought that, you know, to go out there for 17 minutes, it was, um, no, it was, it was a large chunk of time for them. I think this was a better street fight than it was a last woman standing match. Yes. But of course, had it been a street fight, God forbid, we just we can't pin someone. We can't we can't have Lacey Evans be pinned. Does this on do you think that's that would be the reason? I think this is worse. The fact that they can't can't even get back up. I don't know. I don't know what went into that. But I think had this been a street fight, I think this would have worked a lot better because to me it was the uh the the handcuffing, not literally, but figuratively, of these ten counts that kind of just played with like the the flow that just got constantly interrupted here. But I mean, to me, I think Lacey Evans has gained a lot working with Natalia. And given that this felt like a absolute blow off, um, who do you think wins the rematch? 
Um, Natalia again. Two power. It is bomb. strange that like you would think like this feud was ultimately designed for Lacey, and Natalia gets this win here. I was not expecting her to win this, and she won on consecutive nights in pretty emphatic fashion. Yeah, I mean, to me, it feels like they're they're you know keeping Lacey in the in the position that she probably should have debuted at, maybe in the mid card. Um, as a heel, I think she could afford a loss like this and bounce back to be pretty much in the same spot. You know, you have to wonder maybe if any of the Total Divas um, co-promotion might have anything to do with a certain renewed push for Natalia. But I feel like you, Natalia like, needs something. Like, she's often the person losing despite being the babyface. And then, before they can even, like, really sell Natalia's win, they are immediately just cutting to promote the rest of the show. Like, there was no... Um, you know, there was no moment to even let this win sink in and put any kind of uh, stock into it. Uh, they, they're just right moving on to the next thing. And then they cut to Tyson Fury. He's with his family backstage and would be addressing Braun Strowman later tonight. And then we cut to the room. Who's in the room? Our friend Alistair Black. <clears throat> Monday Night Raw. A place of competition and a place of tradition and a place of battle. Battle that I so desperately require. Because underneath this calm and collective demeanor, well, you and I, we both know that's not who I am. No, I am as, <laughs> I am as unforgiving as fire and as cold and permanent as death. And all of this will tell you that I am forever restless. So, come on this WWE showcase and knock on my door and pick a fight with me. Ooh, chills. Unforgiving as fire and as cold and permanent as death. Yeah. This guy should come out to cold as ice. Oh, okay. Yeah, somebody, somebody back there, um, you know, has been looking. The up. room, the room was double booked tonight. Sure, maybe they were in there at the same time. Um, you know, somebody back there has been uh, bookmarking um, uh, thesaurus dot com. I'm sure, and probably uh, the authors. Oh, you think they're writing for for him? Well, and was, you said uh, have been bookmarking, so I thought if the authors. Yeah. No. The Street Profits. They went over Raw so, so far. Stellar show. They said, it's so hot, it feels like summer here on Raw. And they go over the draft. And then they started going through a scouting report way. Up first, Apollo Crews. Don't sleep on him. If you don't believe us, wait till you see him later on in the show. Then they had their wires crossed because they thought they were going to Drake Maverick. Shot of Buddy Murphy was up. Didn't make a difference. He is the best kept secret. And apparently his win over Daniel Bryan was the next best kept secret because it does no longer exist. They compared Drake Maverick to Steve Carell, the 40-year-old virgin with a 14-year-old reference. And then they plugged Tyson Fury and recapped the angle on Fox. That movie is 14 years old? 2005 oh. I saw that, that movie. Holy shit. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the Street Profits, um, 
I'm pretty over these two doing this. I think they're getting pretty obnoxious. Um, this one certainly was. Yeah, um, they're not. They're not really working for me, and I, I don't know if after the draft that they will continue doing this. I just want to see them be actual wrestlers. I want to have. I want them to have something to talk about beyond you know being hype men for Raw. I still don't understand this draft. Now that Monday is over, I don't know how this is working on Friday. Are we supposed to say that? Well, everybody's up for grabs, including the champions. They mentioned that. That part was. They're also positioning like the, the authority figures. USA are going to be Fox and USA. Like, it's going to be yeah. the network executives that are in control of these shows rather than um, some individual, which I am beyond fine with. Yeah, I wonder who they are, and I wonder who's going to play them. That'll be really fascinating. Um, do they have to actually be approved by Fox I would or think, USA? Given that, um, you know, you know we've, we've seen uh, Fox discuss the fact that they are going to have a very big influence on, like, a sports presentation on Friday... I would imagine it's going to be like we're going to see like legit Fox personalities. It wouldn't surprise me if they have like real Fox executives um, in some cameo role or something like that. And who would represent USA? Well, I don't know who's going to be on next week. Um, uh, maybe Bonnie Hammer will show up. Raw, Raw might not be a, the same kind of presentation that Fox has. Maybe right. Raw is going to be a different style of draft altogether. Like we don't know. They have not really outlined. So um, too much. So, so the SmackDown. So you think the the Fox the SmackDown draft will only be for SmackDown talent and not wait? Raw. I have no idea. What I know is someone's going to come out on Friday, and apparently can draft anyone. So why would you? Why wouldn't SmackDown just draft all the best people? And then yeah. are they exclusive? Are we going to have Raw and SmackDown picks on Friday? I don't think so. So does SmackDown get to make all their picks on Friday, and Raw then gets the leftovers? I, I mean, it's possible that they will just do this the way that they've been doing their shakeups, where, oh, who's about to come out? Our next draftee. And then you just have, like, you know, um, a so bunch it's of be random. Um, Perhaps. I don't know. So what was the point of this scouting report? Like, that, that to me is not a sports presentation where it's just random people coming over. Like, they've made well, it seem like the executives want the best talent, and right. they're, they're scouting everybody. Yeah, so it probably won't be that. You'll probably see some figureheads maybe deliberating. I mean, if it's if they're going for a sports like presentation, I would expect Raw and SmackDown picks to be to be uh, done Friday and and Monday. Yeah, I I don't quite understand how it's going to work, but we do. They did say the champions. In theory, the SmackDown women's champion can be drafted to Raw and vice versa. Yes, or they could both be on the same show. They also said that. Yeah. Charlie is backstage with Tyson Fury. He was not there to provoke Braun Strowman, but Braun tried to make a fool of him. And maybe he shouldn't have jumped the barrier, but he is not leaving tonight until he gets an apology. And if he doesn't get one, Braun is going to get these hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think? How do you think he did here in a scripted WWE interview? Uh, this was fine. I think he's 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 got a very good delivery. This did feel like this was a scripted promo for him, but he has enough personality that I, I thought it was fine. And this was very short, this portion. Yeah. For a celebrity, I think he, he does better than most. Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler versus the Viking Raiders. Another long match. Ivar gets slammed on top of Ziggler. Lawler says, if you ever want to know if there's life after death, just wrestle Dolph Ziggler. 
Rude then chop blocks Ivar's knee, and Eric lifts Ivar, drops him onto Rude, and that's a big part of their offense now. It's just double-team maneuvers with one another, dropping the other onto their opponent. And uh, Rude and Ziggler are on the floor, avoiding the Viking Raiders, and Vic Joseph says, there's no timeouts here on Raw, because that was a few months ago. And the champions then beg off, they go to a commercial, and apparently do get a timeout. Ziggler then distracts, and Eric gets run into the barricade, takes a jumping DDT. They have the heat on him for a while until Ivar gets the hot tag. He runs wild on everybody, and then there's a springboard clothesline as Eric lifts Ziggler up. Rude makes the save. Rude and Ziggler did this double-team maneuver where Rude went for the spine buster into a zigzag by Ziggler onto Eric. That got a big near fall. The glorious DDT gets countered, and then Ziggler tags in. Famouser gets turned into the Viking experience, and the Vikings win in 16 minutes, 35 seconds. Non-title match, by the way. Yes, this was how they build two title matches. Beat the champions, and then you get a title match next yeah. week. I thought the match was fine, but I, I, like the other match, I found it too long for the amount of interest and appeal either of these teams had. It feels like they are rushing towards a title program for the Viking Raiders without having given them any sort of character development. I can't even recall a promo from these two until later on in the show after they had already secured a tag team title match. So uh, to me, it's between that and I think Rude and Ziggler too, since they won the belts, they've just been these generic bodies that are holding onto these props, getting beaten up or just doing nothing. I still don't know why these two are together. I know nothing of them as personalities. So you combine these two team t- teams together, there's simply not enough interest to uh, maintain my attention for 16 minutes for me to really want to see either team either win or lose. So, you know, to me, this was all just all just felt like filler so that you could produce another three-hour show. We went back to the room. Alistair Black has now lost his shirt. Vic Joseph and Lawler's mics are still hot, so they're communicating before they cut it. He's going to head down to the ring and see who wants to pick a fight. Yeah. The Singh brothers are in the ring, and they're going to show them why they should be top draft picks. And they challenge Alistair Black. So that would say that it's at the the choice of the executives who they get. Yes, yes. Alistair Black kills the Singh brothers, just... Nails them with strikes. There's a flying knee to Sunil. Head kick uh, then to Samir. And then a one-armed dragon sleeper to submit Sunil in a minute six. Actually, he he wrapped his other arm around his back. It was like a dragon sleeper with with his front arm wrapped around his back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is this in a jiu-jitsu tournament? I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looks legit, actually, so... You know, it's different. It's fine. I'm sure it'll get over with repetition. It's nice that, you know, he's expanding his moveset beyond just the black mass. So it seems like they're they're finally setting him up for a big role after this draft. But I feel like I said that exact same sentence after the last shakeup. It's been it's been a year of nothing for this guy. So hopefully if they are serious about him, we, we start to see it ASAP. Well, his key is when he is one day asked, tell us a bit about your personal life. Just say, I don't have any personal life. Because that would ruin him. They oh, would yeah. just find, they'd find out something well, about he's a, him. Well, he's a Satanist. That's, he's already got a gimmick. 
Well, I, I'm with you. I think that after this draft, I think this guy is going to be one of their big pushed. Um, yeah. Whether it be as a baby face or a heel, I think this guy can shift either one. But I, they, they, they have kept this guy in a, uh, in a position where they have not harmed him, and I think yeah. they can pull the trigger on him whenever they want. But yes, uh, you can proceed with caution with any of these guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. They go through the headlines from the past week, all the media attention on Premier Week, including this quote that Vic Joseph gave us. NXT changing the landscape of Wednesday nights. Mm. Okay. I was very surprised on this show at coming off that number. Um, it was not like there was some concerted effort to hype up NXT this week. No. It was very, it was, they didn't, I don't think they even promoted any of the matches unless there was like a commercial I missed, but in the body of the show, it felt minimal, very minimal. Feels, I mean, that's sort of been the case for almost any of these other network shows. Like, we're, you know, and I talk about even like things like Chronicle or 24-7 and very little interaction between those. It's almost like on Raw and SmackDown, those items have Vince's attention. Everything that he's not involved with, it's just there. You can find it if you want to find it. Um, and it almost- it's just so strange. Like, this is, like, Michelle Wilson talked about the fact that, you know, between these three programs that we can promote back and forth. And, you know, you do get that with raw and SmackDown to a degree. Um, but you know, NXT, it's like, I, I don't think they're getting any benefit. And, you know, you have all these P I just, I was expecting a bigger push for NXT tonight coming off that number last week. Almost seems like they have an attitude of like, you know, sink or swim. It's like, you know, it's not ours uh, or it's not our direct problem. Like we were about making sure raw and SmackDown are, are as best as they can be. And um, whatever Paul wants to do with NXT, he can. Like, when you think about it, it, it was briefly mentioned with these headlines and stuff, but, I mean, that that was a segment you could have very quickly missed, that the idea that Finn Balor showed up on NXT was, you know, if you had just tuned in on Raw, I don't think you would have left the show even aware of that, because it was mentioned in the briefest of passings. Yeah, it might have been that. They might have aired commercials for it in the break as well. Um, you know, for, it, it does feel like it's sort of in its own universe. They recap the Cain Velasquez angle and then Charlie interviewed Rey Mysterio backstage and he's wearing a sling and is shaken to his core over the attack on Dominic. But in a weird way, he has never been more proud because Dominic took the beating like a man. His physical scars will heal, but the emotional ones will take longer as he is now at home resting. And he said, Charlie, as parents, we vow to protect our children. And I had to watch this disgusting bully maul my boy. And I let my son and I let my family down. And as I was sitting with him at the hospital bed, his godfather walked in. Cain Velasquez, the man who took Brock's UFC heavyweight title and the one man who can say that Brock Lesnar fears him. And Kane is here to avenge this attack on my family. I thought this promo was great from Ray. I I do wish that they made an emphasis on the fact that Brock injured Ray, and that's why Ray cannot take this fight to Brock Lesnar. I mean, um, isn't that obvious? He had his arm in a sling. 
I, I felt like not enough with like at the end, I just it didn't really sit well with me. The line about Kane is going to avenge my family. Um, but it was it, listen, it's a nitpick thing. I thought this promo was great from Ray. It was really solid. And and who knew um, the godfather of his child, Dominic? I mean, where was where was Kane Velasquez in 2005 during this whole custody battle? I don't know. I and uh, I mean, hopefully wrestling in Arizona. Hopefully, people aren't aren't uh, watching or, or reading Mark Romandi's interviews with Kane because, um, I don't know if they knew each other that much further uh, uh, before. Maybe they did. Who knows? Godfather sure. of his of his son. Yeah, you know, I thought Ray did a great job here. To me, this was the best thing on this show thus far. He did a great job explaining who Kane was and doing it in you know like a really emotional, pissed off way. Making this a family affair, creating, you know, calling Kane Dominic's godfather, whether accurate or not, I can buy it and I like it. It makes this feud that much more personal, that much more heated, and that much more relatable because, you know, it's family. And um, thankfully, it's not a feud about, you know, somebody sleeping with your wife. Are we officially transitioning and we can now refer to him as Cain? Well, if you notice, even Ray himself, when he's speaking uh, Spanish, he calls him Cain. Yeah, that's how he did it. But in English, he still called him Cain. Yes. AOP is in the room. They grew up in in a place where you learn quick to fight for every scrap for your family. And they came home with full plates every night. No other tag team has the killer instinct they have. They were raised this way. They have the will to take your food and your money. And your and career. Will, and your careers away. And the will to do violence in WWE. They will put their opponents' names in the history books. So get ready. They're hungry. So they're gonna they're take coming. they're gonna take our food, our money, our careers, probably our wives, our uh Rusev is just like great. <laughs> Food's the only thing I have left. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are still cool. I think they still make these two come across pretty well. So tag teams won't get split in the draft. Correct? What? Are you sure? Because they've... I many don't know times, Many times they've said, oh, I wonder what will happen if these two... If these guys get split up. Like the OC might get split up. They mentioned today. I don't know if these two are eligible. But of course they are. What am I saying? So... You know, the luck of the draw. I'm sure these two will end up together. So by some miraculous chance, we're going to get the majority of these tag teams sticking together. We're not just going to break up like half the tag division. Well, listen, you can you you know how NBA players might or NBA teams might draft like uh, two players from the same team just because or trade for two players from the same team because, you know, they play well together or like uh, a player might request to play with another player. I mean, I'm sure you get stuff like that. I know I'm belaboring this point, but I just think it engages your fan base so much more when they understand how it works because it creates all these scenarios and you can anticipate all these little things. It's like, imagine if you didn't know the rules of the Royal Rumble, okay? They just told you uh, it's a battle royal. How many people are in it? We all thought we knew the rules of a hell in a cell, and I don't think any of us (laughs) predicted the, the, the finish that they ended up coming up with. So, I mean, it's a question of whether or not they even understand the rules for their own 
systems? Do they even know who's going to be drafted? Maybe week? maybe Vince McMahon was deciding for some inspiration. He went back. He watched the King of the Ring from 98, and he heard Jim Ross yell the, the question that was on everyone's mind. Can somebody stop the damn match? And Vince decided, yes, of course we can stop the damn match if we choose. Well, Created knows? a new rule. I wonder but, if Vince ever goes back to, to watch his old stuff. Do you believe, without any assistance, that Vince McMahon can log into the WWE Network? Um, without without any anyone assistance. reminding him what his password is, without anyone telling him uh, what to click uh, through? Uh, you know... Uh, I I wonder. I I would assume he's got it bookmarked and and he's got cookies enabled, and so he wouldn't have to do it every single time. You know, probably Stephanie or or Hunter like sets it up for him, or maybe his grandkids set it up for him. Yeah, well, that's what I'm asking. Like, without without they're all and gone he, on vacation, and he's left on his on his his right. life depends on pulling up uh, the Shy Town Rumble, and he's oh. got five minutes to do it. Does he uh, require additional time? I have no idea how good he is with computers. So he could be a wizard. You know, he could he could be making gifs. He could be, uh, I don't know, torrenting <laughs> AEW shows. <laughs> well, we know his Twitter game is just uh, on fire. Yeah, maybe he's on Watch Wrestling. That would be a. Uh... I would love to interview the person that is responsible for typing out Vince's tweets. Yeah. So far, we've got a retweet of a press release, and then we've got oh god, he's been he's been pretty inactive. He he tweeted out the SmackDown commercial last Friday. He just tweets out a thing like just plugging whatever Raw SmackDown. Happy birthday, Stephanie. Happy birthday, Gerald Briscoe. Okay. Promos. He's a busy man. Clearly, he should not be on Twitter. Could you imagine him on Twitter? It's actually amazing when you look at all the parallels between him and Donald Trump. Twitter is not an area that their lives have intersected in. Right. Thank goodness. AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson against Kalisto, Lince Dorado, and Grand Metalik. This was a really fun six man. This uh, uh-huh. this blew away uh, almost everything at Hell in a Cell. I won't say everything, but God, this was a significantly better six man than the OC had the night before. Um, Dorado hit this splash off of Metal League's shoulders onto Carl. Then the set up the commercial break. The Lucha House Party climbed to the top post and did a triple, like three simultaneous moonsaults onto the three on the floor. Uh, Very and in cool. classic, yeah, it looked awesome. And in classic WWE fashion, this a uh, breathtaking spot by the Lucha House Party. We return from break. Carl Anderson in control of Lince Dorado. Kalisto then hit a handspring in Saguri and a Hurricane Rana to AJ. Anderson makes the save, taken out with a springboard dropkick from Metalik. Salida Del Sol from Kalisto is countered. Pele kick from AJ, knocks Dorado down, and then hits Kalisto with the phenomenal forearm to win in 9 minutes, 29 seconds. This just felt like a really fun match, and all six just got to um, just go out there and just have a really great six-man. It was a good little match, you know, um... Again, I would say a match that was sort of lacking in importance. No real storyline to build up to it. No real purpose for it other than to get the OC their heat back. But it didn't stop the Lucha House Party from making the most of their airtime. They were all really impressive. Really great looking tandem moves. Great hot tags. 
Um, it's you know, it's it's I would say it's it's unfortunate that they only had this position, but I mean to be honest, it's even a miracle that these three even have jobs because given the the way I think, man, WWE has has booked people of this size, they they would have never made it out of two hundred five live. So they at least have something consistent going on, even if it's a role like this. But I really want to see more of the Lucha House Party, especially as a trio. Um, they're tremendous. So, and tonight was like the most representation we've seen of two hundred five live talent on Raw in the longest time. I mean, there we had Kalisto, Dorado, Metalik, and earlier we had the Singh brothers. I mean, when you need people to lose, you just dial two hundred five. Uh, they killed the Lucha House Party afterwards. They hit Metalik with a magic killer, and then Dorado took the Styles Clash off of the turnbuckle. So, just a mm-hmm. reaffirmation that the OC are the pushed act. Miz TV. He comes out. Miz recaps SmackDown. Becky's out. Charlotte's out. Miz goes through all the different covers that Becky is on. She's on the box of Golden Crisp cereal that Miz just had to shill. Becky noted that cereal's great, said that Sasha beat her up last night, but if Sasha was here, she would tell her that you got your ass kicked by the man. Miz transitioned, saying Bailey also got her ass kicked last night by Charlotte, and both women are at the peak of their careers. The draft can change your careers, and this is where he notes that either one could change shows uh, and even be on the same show together that they were teasing. Flair takes exception when Miz says that they are dominant women. She says, why can't we just be dominant? And Miz just kind of uh, ignores it. And Becky brings up their opponents, the Kabuki Warriors, and referenced the other best-kept secret in WWE, Asuka's win over Becky at the Royal Rumble. And she wants to correct that wrong nine months later. I forgot about that. Everyone did. Becky says she made Rick... uh, She made Charlotte's belt famous. Charlotte responds, I made you famous. And good lines. I like that. Holds up the title that she's a 10 time champion. And Becky says, your reigns may be plentiful, but mine are meaningful. And they held up great lines. They had some good, they had some some good promos here between these two. And then the Kabuki warriors came out. Oscar starts screaming in Japanese, which was, uh, Jerry Lawler's open door to make jokes. Oh, I had flashbacks here, you know? Uh, Talk about a wave of nostalgia. This brought me right back to 98 and choppy, choppy, your pee-pee. Oh, I was just, I had my hands above my, like, eyes. I was just like, please, Jerry, don't, don't, don't. I was just waiting for him to just say something offensive. But he, I guess this was mildly offensive without being, um, file a complaint offensive. The crowd's chanting what at both of them. They both just yell in Japanese, and that was their promo spot. Yes, yes. So, you know, maybe all the, for all the, I think, um, talking about, like, subtitles and why we we don't employ them in the WWE, at least not, you know, at a time when somebody like Asuka or Kairi Sane or Shinsuke Nakamura could have really used them as, as they were babyfaces. They finally let, you know, Asuka, Kairi Sane speak in their native tongues. Except it was only done to elicit these what chants, to elicit a heel reaction. All really just to perpetuate, I think, the idea that if you don't speak English, 
you're a villain. So if you're a wrestler who doesn't speak good enough English down in, down down there in the performance center or anywhere else in the world, the message is that you will never ever ever be a top baby face in Vince McMahon's WWE. And you see the difference. You see the difference between an old man's idea of how to portray uh uh you know uh people who do who don't speak English versus a very modern take that you would see in something like NXT or AEW where there are plenty of wrestlers. I mean Asuka herself not necessarily the greatest at English yet was beloved. Kyrie Sane was beloved as a babyface. Penta beloved as a babyface in AEW doesn't need to speak a, a lick of English, but for some reason in the WWE <laughs> they just don't know how to do it, and so they resort to I, this. I, I think it's really going to expose this this blind spot on their behalf through uh, Rio on AEW. And how mm-hmm. much she got over last week, and how they're going to present her in contrast to uh, two two phenomenal performers, and and you cannot just put Oscar especially in this box and just say that oh she's a great wrestler, but she can't get over. It's like we've seen her get over. This woman has more personality than half the people on this roster, and we've seen that come out, and we've seen how over she's gotten, and. I, I will never buy the idea that you can't speak English and that somehow that prohibits you from being able to get over because I've seen it happen. Um, yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, the heel role for them, I guess it's, they're doing more with them, but it just no, it, um, it gives them a job because they, they like, they, they clearly had no idea what to do with them as baby faces. So, you know, give them mist, uh, let them speak a foreign language so that they can at least generate some interest in, in their minds. It's just amazing to watch, especially Kyrie saying to just oh, say, "Oh God, babyface, you're not giving me anything to work with here." It was really sad, and I really felt for Davey Portman, especially. You know, we got to see Kyrie Saint's heel character for the first time in the WWE, and it's her with pigtails, um, dropping the pirate gimmick completely. Yet, you know, we see like I think a take on like how to make her a heel uh, in Io Shirai. That I think feels completely fresh and you know um, cool. So anyway, the music's still there, by the way. The best part. Yeah, well, just as they're playing one, I'm always wondering what does the other person's theme sound like, and they remind me. Yeah, and I forget about the original, and they remind me of that one too. So you get like you get like two to three plays each. I miss having a radio and having to turn it back and forth in the car. Yeah, crossfading is like. State of the art. So Becky and Charlotte took on the Kabuki Warriors. Um, Flair delivers chops to Asuka over and over. Natural selection is hit. Charlotte has just made the moonsault to the floor, like her flare flop spot. Like it's just a, like a go-to move. Well, you kind of, I mean, it's a new era. You know, everybody has to do a suicide dive or something like a moonsault to the floor to get the commercial. Asuka kicked Charlotte in the body as she was coming down with a Pescado. Uh, then Sane hit a high cross and gets caught by Flair and thrown. Becky comes in, missile drop kick to Asuka, and then gets caught with a spinning back fist from Sane. Sane then goes after Charlotte's knee. There's a roll-up on Becky for a two-count. She kicks out, applies to disarm her, and as the referee is tending to Charlotte with his back turned, Asuka enters and blows the mist into Becky's face, or at least close to her face it seemed like it was kind of more off the face but nonetheless was enough for 
Kyrie Sane to pin Becky Lynch at 11 minutes and 28 seconds. Do you think this leads to a match? On TV, maybe. Sane and Becky? Sure. I'll take it. Sure. That's great. I mean, after this, like, you referenced the Oscar loss. I mean, you did, like, out of nowhere here, create some opponents for Becky Lynch that, I mean, she does need some opponents. The Sasha feud's over. Mm -hmm. I'll take these two over most. So, um, yeah, there we go. I could see them just wrapping this up, though, over the next week or two with Becky beating Kyrie on SmackDown or Raw. Yeah, we shall see. We don't know, uh, like, what, 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 what is the tag team championships situation? They get to move both both brands, right? Maybe, maybe they can draft Kyrie to Raw and Oscar to SmackDown, and they're singles tag champions. They each have the belt. That makes perfect the opposing sense. Opposing shows. That makes perfect sense. Do you remember? Do you recall a time for some reason, like, uh, so, so people were suggesting, like. Bailey or Sasha going down to NXT after their losses yesterday. And I'm reminded of the last time that I saw Bailey and Sasha in NXT when they were the tag team champions, vowing to defend those belts in NXT. So I completely forgot about the fact that they theoretically these titles should have the ability to go to all brands, including NXT. Um, the problem is you like don't have any like female tag teams down there. It's like you have Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know, like, the women's ta- tag teams they have uh, there. Even, like, the, I guess, like, Jessamyn Duke and um, and Marina Shafir. But, like, I mean, they're not even, like, really presented as a tag team. They're more, like, the backup for Shayna Baszler. Um, for, for a special occasion, like, if you want to do a takeover, having, like, Asuka and Kyrie Sane down there in an NXT for one particular match against, you know, you name it, whoever, like a babyface tag team, I think that would be great. Do they still remember that stipulation, though, that the, that these titles are allowed to travel? I think it was retired when the Iconics won the titles. Flair tries to fight them off and gets double teamed when Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross ran down, and they may as well have just screamed baby faces on the screen, just so everyone could know. Um, this was Alexa's turn. She's now a baby face as they fought off the Kabuki Warriors and saved Charlotte and Becky. I really feel like she was always a baby face and that we just, it was just not very well communicated. Um, But yeah, this was, I guess, your confirmation. So another title match? Like, I thought they were going to break up Alexa and Nikki, so at least we're going to get one more match between these four. Charlie interviewed Apollo Crews. He says, Ricochet and me go way back. I mean, way back. Yeah. We didn't get a Dragon Gate mention, though. He says the draft is about opportunity, and he's been grinding and staying motivated. This is a showcase, and it's nothing personal against Ricochet. Every draft or shakeup feels like it's a new opportunity for Apollo Crews, and then he just gets forgotten about. Oh, I'm not following it for the for this. <laughs> no, not a chance. The Viking Raiders made a grand discovery. They made their way to the projector that lit the hell in a cell match last night probably i wonder if it's the same one of the same lights i wonder Hmm. they said no one can keep them from their fate and next week they raid and become tag champions before some very uncomfortable heavy breathing oh yeah um you know finally a promo from these guys i'm happy to see it uh you know I just, uh, 
I don't know. I just don't know how I'm really supposed to feel. Like, do you, do you sense a lot of people getting behind these two? They're spectacular in the ring, but just up until this point, very little has been known about what they are, who, what their personalities are like, and um, anything beyond, you know. They're Vikings, why? What are you asking? That's it. But the thing is, like, they they put out some really great videos, like like the video of like Sarah Logan and 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 uh, Ray Ray Rowe getting married, where they talk about like their respect for this tradition, whatever, like the Viking stuff, is incredibly mesmerizing and shows you that there's a great deal of depth to whatever these guys are. It's not just cosplay; it's something they truly believe in. I I, I wish there was some some of that type of you know character revelation. Then we go to Sarah Schreiber, who's with Ricochet. And he mentions that if he gets drafted to SmackDown this Friday, then this could be my last night on Raw. And I'm just like, wait a minute. What if the Viking Raiders get drafted on SmackDown? And you've just announced them for this match next week. Well, hmm. Well, last week this kind of played out, didn't it? Where, like, there was an entire pay-per-view, like, that came right after the draft, so. But Ricochet just said, this could be my last night on Raw. Well, he doesn't have a match coming up. He doesn't have a title match coming up. He says, Cruz is one of my best friends, and the draft is an opportunity at a fresh start, and I'm always ready to prove that superheroes can be real. So that's his thing. You know, that's we ha- his thing. We got the Viking. We've got the Satanist. Ricochet thinks he's a, a real-life superhero. He just wants to prove that superheroes can be real. Oh. He's just yeah. trying to make their a case for them. Is he going to like try to like look for radioactive spiders to get bitten by? or? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe come December, he'll be promoting Santa Claus. What? He'll prove that Santa's real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't catch that. Sorry. Uh, leap, I, I'm, but... do- I'm done. I'm done. I have nothing left. <laughs> it's totally empty. There's a replay of Total Divas that was going to air right after Raw on Monday night. Um, we didn't talk about this. Last week's debut on Tuesday night with Ronda Rousey did 252,000 viewers. That's the lowest number in the history of Total Divas. Yikes. Wow. Do you do you peg this on the franchise, or do you look at this at the last-minute switch to Tuesday nights? Um, what is your theory on such a rock-bottom number, in theory, with its biggest star to date being cast on it? Well, I watched the episode today. Oh. Uh, by the way, it was not very good. Um, it was like, to me, this was a case where I felt like a lot was being fabricated between, in particular in this episode, Carmella and Nia Jax, who <laughs> Carmella, like, you know, just walks up to Nia Jax saying, uh, something backstage and just Nia out of nowhere just says, I think you're fake and I don't think you're very genuine. And this sets off the show long storyline of, um, Carmella being really upset. Anyway, uh, you, I, I'm guessing Ronda maybe doesn't mean a whole lot with with uh, that demographic, perhaps. Um, her involvement on the show was very loosely affiliated, at least in the first episode. They had cameras at you know with her and Travis Brown, but she hasn't really been integrated into the actual body of the show with the other cast members yet. Um, could be the, the the last minute change. I mean, I guess I'm kind of curious about today's or tomorrow's rating too, but. I, overall, I sense a lack of interest in the series. It's, you know, I think... It's, it's very alarming that 
the season premiere did such a bad number. Yeah. Um, granted, I, I think moving it to Tuesday, especially with very little notice, I think that probably hurts. So maybe we should wait to see if there's a bounce back this week or a week or two that people find the time slot. But uh, nonetheless, it was you know it was promoted on Raw last week for for Tuesday night. It was also a bellowless season for the first time. Ooh. Typically, they are uh, you know pretty much front and center, except you know in the past seasons maybe taking a bit of a backseat. But this year, they weren't even advertised as part of the main cast at all. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Clearly, they are the biggest stars of the series on E to that audience. Um, and, and you know, evidently, Ronda, for this first episode, not meaning a whole lot. Ricochet, Apollo Crews, they only got four minutes. Jerry Lawler is talking about the unpredictability of the draft and says, I remember sitting ringside when my broadcast partner got drafted. Unsus- unassuming. I remember it too. Yeah, good old my broadcast partner. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a springboard clothesline, standing shooting star by Ricochet. Cruz comes back, Inseguri standing moonsault, and then Cruz gets caught with the recoil, and Ricochet wins. I thought this match was awesome. Like, probably one of the better four-minute matches you will see on Raw. You know, these wow. two obviously with what you don't agree, John. It, this, I, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about it. It just, it left no impression on me. It was like just late in the show and it was over before it started. So I, I didn't quite get into it to the degree. You I did. mean, the high flying I thought was, was spectacular here. Like the smoothness. I mean, these two, you know, if, if they are truly like best friends, I would absolutely buy it. I mean, obviously they know each other, probably have trained together, worked together for a long time. And I thought it showed like the, 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 the smoothness of the movement, the acrobatics. I thought both of them really complimented the other well. It makes me wish that these two could actually maybe have a 10-minute match on a pay-per-view. Maybe even an actual storyline, even. I think that'd be great. There was no time last night to be just throwing out 10-minute matches for no reason. I would have taken this extended... Like, I wish this had 17 minutes. Holy shit. So, you know, I'm grateful at least we got this because, I mean, Apollo Crews has... I don't know the last time he even wrestled on TV. He's been criminally underutilized. I think... If I'm drafting anybody to NXT, he would definitely be at the top of my list. Then we threw to highlights, a term I use very loosely, to the Hell in a Cell match that Vic says was downright disturbing. And we got a package that I, I was... This match was so bad that I was watching this highlight and I was thinking... You know what? If they had just taped this match before the pay-per-view and aired this video package in its place, yes, I probably would have been okay with that. Oh, this is like a five-star highlight package. Yeah, what did you think in terms of WWE's ability to clean up garbage? Where does this one rank? As Vic ends it by saying, we still can't believe what we witnessed last night, which was a very truthful statement. It's hard for me to, to exactly say because I still, like, I'm only brought back to the memory of last night. So somebody watching this for the very first time without having seen what the, what came prior, I don't know what they would think. I think, you know, they would see a big blob of red and not necessarily know what to make of it. But that editing team is always fantastic. And you, you, you can always see this was the intent of the match. What you saw in this highlight package was what they wanted you to feel, what they wanted you to leave away Sunday night with. So, you know, recap the story minus the terrible acting um minus the booze and the AEW or the refund chance from the crowd um and it told you the story of Seth Rollins having to dig 
betray his his morality, going the the way of of mur- attempted murder in order to try to stop this fiend. Yet the fiend still lived uh, to to stick his fingers down his mouth afterwards. So, yeah, the package ended, and Tyson Fury's in the back shaking hands as Jerry Lawler struggled to say Strowman. Final segment, Jerry Lawler's in the ring to host and welcomes Tyson Fury. And Vic Joseph is very excited, noting the wild and off-the-cuff antics that Tyson has displayed during his entire career. And now he's got an open mic. Strowman comes out, and there's a chant of, get these hands. He says he was messing around on SmackDown until he saw the way that Fury looked at him like he wanted a piece, and he gave him a present with Dolph Ziggler, and he wanted security to let Fury go. And Braun says, I will literally eat you for lunch. Fury comes back and says that he would have knocked Braun out, and Strowman says, you would have been on your back and not for some slow 10 count like the last time you fought Deontay Wilder. Ooh, which the two had their their draw last December at the Staples Center, coincidentally enough. Wait a second, so that was a draw? Yeah, they had they had a draw. And some and I guess it was disputed. Yeah, there was, you know, a fair amount of thought Wilder won, but it was officially a draw. Got it. Okay. And they're probably going to have a rematch in February. Uh then they just start fighting, and it's the classic scene, security gets in- involved. The place is going pretty nuts at the beginning of this. Fury breaks free. Like, like you know, all the standard brawl spots that typically get over. Um, Fury's punching away at all the security members. So Braun destroys his security that's holding him back. So then the locker room has to empty to separate them. Fury wants to fight. They keep being separated until Braun leaves with his music playing. He's interviewed by Charlie backstage, calls Fury a tough son of a bitch, but he's going to get these hands and he doesn't play that crap uh, with Fury coming into his house and then storms back down to the ring and they're being separated as the show ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they always do a pretty good job with these pull aparts. This one to me though, I couldn't help but feel like it was very cliched. Like they're almost running through a program or like a beat for beat parody of like Tyson and Austin. It lacked the intensity no. of what these when these are done super effectively, and I would put Austin Tyson very high on that list. Like that was tremendous. Um, this to me, it went on too long, and there wasn't a progression in it. It was just okay. We're gonna separate, then we're gonna be held back, mm-hmm. and there was no escalation, and it just felt awkward by the end of it. Yeah. And I, I think by the end of it, I think people were generally like they seemed into this for the most part, and I think are intrigued to see the match. But um, to me, this wasn't uh, an overwhelming success either. I think it's especially if you're there live, you know, just to see like the the, the visual of like a mass of people trying to hold somebody back. And then like that is really easy to get behind no matter who it is. I don't know if it necessarily translates to people watching at home to the point where I think after this, you might want to see Braun Strowman and. Uh, Tyson Fury in some type of mock boxing match or a pro wrestling match in Saudi Arabia. I really don't know. And I wonder if it's due to like the rush nature of this feud. There is no real reason why these two have beef with each other. 
it's a really stupid reason. You know, they were making faces and Braun threw Dolph Ziggler into him. It's, it's simply not a good enough personal reason. And, you know, with the, with like, look at, look at the difference on that show with Kane. Kane here, you have a real connection to Brock Lesnar's past. It's believable. He beat Brock Lesnar for the belt. And this, to me, instead just felt like, you know, a rushed attempt at celebrity integration, which, in the end, it doesn't even matter whether or not people want to see it because they're going to get paid to do this match either way. Um, also, I thought Braun did a good job in the role he was in. Um, you know, again, I think everyone's going to compare it to Austin Tyson, which was, um, you know, it was a tough bar for them to clear here. I will say Tyson Fury throwing work punches. I mean, he was very much not trying to hurt these people, and I'm sure they appreciated that. Um, oh God, I wouldn't trust. I wouldn't trust the heavyweight boxer to throw work punches on live God. TV when you're like, could be ner- Who knows? It was anyway. <laughs> it they didn't announce when the match is taking place. I think everyone is of the belief this is happening at Crown Jewel. Um, that's to, to me the only thing that makes sense. And I would imagine they probably. What do, you, what do you think? Do they make this announcement on SmackDown? Do they just make it during the week? Because I, oh, they got I time. Think, yeah. Uh, if you know, three not, weeks. Not yeah. SmackDown the next Monday, you know, but you know it's probably going to come pretty soon. I could see them just making the announcement on their own, like during the week. Sure, why not? Just goes out there. I, I I'm curious to know, like especially if you're, uh, you know, because I'm not much of a boxing fan. I only know Tyson Fury by reputation and by name. I mean, is this a big deal to to you? Because I don't know if they really did a great job of conveying why I should care about Tyson Fury. Again, I think Kane has the past connection with Brock that I think is easier to get behind. Have they done a good enough job with Tyson? I think I think that this match will get um, a good amount of interest from the, the boxing media in the U.S. and Canada. I don't see it penetrating into a mainstream story outside of, like, some select outlets. What I'm most curious about is how this um, – how big is this to fans in the U.K., where Tyson Fury is a much bigger star, and is this – you know, WWE is fairly popular there as well. So those two worlds coming together, uh, is that a part of the world that this is going to resonate that much more than um, than here in the U.S. or Canada? Sure. Absolutely. I'd love to hear from you. All right. So that was Raw. Um, you know, it kind of all hinged on the final angle. And I don't think it was um, – it wasn't a home run, but it also wasn't a strikeout. I would say it was maybe a uh, a single and reaching for second base. I thought the closing angle did its intended job of, you know, making making a big commotion out of this match. Um, it's kind of tried and true, but, you know, w- with dimish- diminishing returns, and maybe we're at the point now where these pull-aparts are, like, done so much that they've kind of lost their effect on me. But nonetheless, like, it, it created a big visual, so people are at least aware of the program. Beyond that, I thought this was a total lame duck show ahead of the draft. You know, a bunch of matches that really... Like especially comparing to the to the output that you had last week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, like I, this this match or this this episode of Raw feels like it's it was really lacking in importance. Well, you have to wonder how much they were also handicapped if if Bray was not available uh, for whatever they had planned and then opted not to use Seth on this show. 
Uh, Roman Reigns was at a San Francisco 49ers game, so he wasn't even in Bakersfield on Monday night. Um, you know, Sasha wasn't cleared tonight. I mean, you have to wonder what what cards were they missing from the deck uh, that they got to play on Monday night as well? Because I agree with you. It was a lot. Like, we got some long matches on this show that seemed to just eat up a lot of time. And my final thing on the closing angle is my opinion of that will change depending if this gets a lot of coverage on Tuesday, then ultimately it worked. So that's that's a factor as well to see does this really resonate because uh, going back once again to the Austin Tyson, I remember the next day being uh, driving home from school and the sports cast came on and they recapped the angle from the night before. And it was mind-blowing to me in 1998 to hear uh, the radio recapping Raw from the night before and Tyson and Austin getting into it. I was like, wow, this was like a really big thing. Yeah, I'm not really expecting that level of coverage. I mean... No, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, if it gets right more than just your your typical... Wrestling news sites, yeah. Wrestling, yeah. And, and to a degree, like, some, some boxing sites that obviously will, will cover this stuff. But if it gets some, like, real focus... Um, then who knows? Perhaps, yeah. And but, this is also an interesting test to see, like, the Fox machine, like, really pushing this Kane and Tyson Fury involvement of, you know, the value of Fox, like, pushing this stuff on all their properties and having their, their talking head shows uh, discussing these topics and inserting stuff like this into their own sports news cycle. It's going to be a weird, bizarre relationship, I feel. All right, uh, let's get some feedback in before we uh, wrap things up. You can always leave your feedback at forum.postwrestling.com. And we're going to start off with our poll. On a scale of 1 to 10, I know Way was not going high on this one, but does the forum, uh, are they going to give this one a pass or a fail? The answer is a fail. 3.33. Yeah. Let's see what they thought. Adam, from the street. Anybody who missed this show should watch the Ray promo, Google who Dominic's godfather actually is, and know that their lives will forever be better than those who watched anything else from tonight. This sucked. I give it a Wei Ting-inspired lowest life form out of a trillion. The amoeba ranking way. Oh, I should have made that an option in the poll. We got a Chris from Melbourne who says, This last week of WWE programming has been a godsend, as I finally have the motivation to end my network subscription at least until Rumble season at the earliest, and put that money towards AEW+. I'm writing to say that unlike Jeff in St. Louis from last night telling us all feedback, I'll at least be sticking with Team Post and supporting the cafe. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Chris. With the two of you, I can remain up to date with storylines and occasional must-see matches while still voting with my wallet about the changes I want to see in the wrestling world and rewarding the people I feel are doing the best work, that being AEW, New Japan, and of course, post-wrestling. Well, then you're covered. Thank you, Chris. AJ from Pennsylvania. This was a nothing show. Opening segment was honestly really hard to watch. At least they gave Rusev a beat down to get some heat, unlike Mike Kanellis, but it still felt extremely awkward. Who's this Mike Kanellis he's referring to? I have no idea. The Fury stuff was okay, but the pull-apart lasted way too long, and Fury looked awkward trying to pull punches. Probably the smart move to just gloss over last night's debacle. They will still have to address it eventually, though. Curious to see how Seth's crowd reaction will be moving forward. It's a great point. Mm-hmm. Putting Seth out in front of that live crowd tonight would have not been good. Yeah. So I, I do think that was a smart move. Just, you know, cut cut your losses. Because he would have been 
uh, you would have had to do a backstage interview with him, if anything, and yeah. he would have got lit up by that crowd coming off of Sunday. Yeah, so that, I mean, whatever, you know, Bray not being cleared might be a blessing in disguise. Do you think he yeah, should? Because, because Bray not being cleared to me would not prohibit him. Like, he wouldn't have been doing physicality on the show, you would think. He could easily have done his fun house or yeah. whatever. Maybe. Um, you think we may, see Maybe they just thought it was like, hey, we, we shit the bed with this. Let's give it a week and not put them on TV. Well, I wonder. Do you think we see either of them on Friday? Possible. Yeah. Sure. We get a no one from Vaughn who says, imagine paying hundreds of dollars for floor seats for the show. I feel awful for those fans in Bakersfield. Such a boring show tonight. Are you guys, you guys are awesome for watching the whole show. Thoughts on Darby Allen versus Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, we kind of talked about that earlier on. Jalen from Pickering. I'm done with these guys until the rumble. I find it a bit distasteful that the instant they turn heel, Kyrie and Asuka are allowed to speak their native language, but I really enjoyed their mannerisms when they came, came out. I don't know about Braun, but the crowd was into it, so kudos to them. rest of the show was genuinely worthless. We got a Dez who says, Tonight's Raw reminded me of the day after an embarrassing incident with your significant other. Lack of eye contact. <laughs> tiptoeing around the elephant in the room. Are we just not going to talk about what you did last night? There has never been a more baffling transformation to me than Rusev's evil Bulgarian brute with Russian sympathies to hard-working Bulgarian immigrant family man whose evil wife leaves him because he sends all his money back home. Yeah, what happened to Vladimir Putin backing this guy? Good question. I mean, do we know that that's, that's even, like, Lana's reason for breaking up with him? We still haven't been given any type of explanation. No, we haven't been given um, the actual cause of the breakup. Dez says, after some deliberation, I have to say I kind of like it. It's the opposite of the Mike Canella story where Mike is a dweeb, but Rusev is supposed to be sympathetic. It was a minor thing that they just kind of mentioned, so I hope they do some interviews with Rusev where he talks about some of his family back home and how he's, he's changing their lives with the money he's sending. It's a really cool character trait for Rusev that makes him more likable to me. Also, a family of immigrants who still send money back home regularly. Plus, it puts the heat on Lana like, how dare she be such a gold digger when there are little Rusevs to feed. Yeah, maybe maybe he's gonna be like uh, Nacho Libre. Hey, what did you think of a uh, Deal Madden second week, or just the announced team in general two weeks mm, ago? I thought um, it's fine. I can't go above fine. They're still to me clearly searching for that chemistry. I mean, yes. they still feel like a team that was just like you know hastily put together and then. I can say go- I can say good things. Show. I can say good things about the individual parts. But together, yeah, it's just, it's like three really weird ingredients that have yeah. not really, nope. they don't really have a co- cohesive flow yet. I, I'll say, I, I don't feel like anybody on the team at the moment is exceptional. And I include Vic Joseph there, where I, I feel like his best traits aren't necessarily, you know, able to shine in in this setting. I think he's yeah. great at calling matches, but I mean, the, there aren't great matches to be called on Raw. And Dio Madden, I mean... Thus far, he's only been a very generic voice, you know, just a third voice to like. I don't really know what he adds right now. And he's he's only been doing this a short amount of time, and now he's like, now he's like thrust into you know your 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 show that's doing you know two plus million viewers Mm -hmm. and working with um you know a partner that he's barely been with in Vic Joseph, and then uh, a completely different broadcast partner in Jerry Lawler. So. Yeah, I mean, it's really just throwing this guy 
right into the deep end immediately. I think obviously everybody has the potential to be good. He could end up being really good, but how long are is it going to take? You know, I wonder. Meanwhile, like every single week, it, it's going to sort of be this like I would say rather flat, you know, announced team that we're going to get. All right, who's up uh, next? Let's go to uh, your turn, Brandon from Oshawa. Uh, what a terrible show. Uh, I guess cuckolds are over now, except if your name is Mike Kanellis. I hope the fans keep getting behind Rusev and don't let this garbage ruin his career. I was really hoping for some more info about the draft tonight. The only takeaway that I got was that they were pushing Fox and USA making the selections for their respective brands. Do you think we'll get some kind of representative to make picks, or are they just going to go back to that old random generator that they used to do? I kind of like the idea of someone who works for the network overseeing each show. I like the idea back in ECW with Cyrus and Palmer Cannon on SmackDown. Um, you know, there's there's good and bad to either one. I prefer just having people that are making actual picks and there's a strategy behind them and that kind of tells its own story. But I don't quite understand how you do that on Friday um, if you're going to have, presumably, you've got to have a SmackDown pick and then a Raw pick and going back and forth. So I think that's what you're going to get. I think and that, then and if it's if it's your own choice, like it really makes no sense unless you're picking the top guys immediately and women. Well, yeah, why wouldn't you get that? It's what they did well, last like, time, well, wasn't it? Then, then what was tonight's showcase with like Apollo Cruz? Like, what he's going to? Uh, well, so he he would be in someone's top thirty picks. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I think it's it. Well, I mean, the, the showcase is to make sure that you don't completely forget about him and he ends up being pick 100, but everybody wants to, like, you know, be picked up top. And who knows? Maybe he'll get picked top 10 as a way to, to push him. Regardless of the answer, tonight was the night to, and God knows you had the time, to really yeah. lay all of this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you've known this draft's coming, and I think that tonight should have been a night to set the table for the draft. That's the only thing tonight you had to promote. That and the Tyson Fury deal. Those could have been the major things. And instead, you're going to have a ton of people tuning in Friday, and I don't think they have any idea how this is working. And maybe I'm overestimating how much that matters to people. Uh, yeah, I think people will watch either way, you know, just because it's, 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 it's supposed to be an important show. The Superstar Shakeup, though, we saw the difference from one year to the next, though. Like, people tired of that, and it was way down this year because right. they didn't care about it. Yeah. Um, so I think you did need to establish that this is not going to be that where someone's just going to walk down to theme music and they're on a show because we've seen that concept die. We got an MJ from NJ who says, I watch Raw only because I needed something not too distracting while I worked this evening. So the WWE went with the good old say nothing PR strategy tonight and hope the stank of the cell match goes away. One problem with that strategy, Seth freaking Rollins is your universal freaking champion. Oh, and Bray is dead. How do they even turn him back without the crowd rallying behind him as an FU to the company? They seem genuinely afraid of that tonight, as if of that if tonight was any indication. Will this blow over? Doubtful with AEW now in the fold. Tell me, is this not two, WCW 2000 level bad? A marriage scandal angle, geek squad matches littering the show, and then a celebrity angle to close that looks so cartoonish I have zero interest in a novelty match. You know, I really hope, just for our own commentary, that Seth Rollins is scheduled for some media interview this week. Mm. Well, I wonder. What? Well, depending on the on the media source, right? 
Uh, okay, MJ says one final thing. On a business-related note, is WWE a victim of their own success in that they have so much going on to promote that they can't ever focus on correctly delivering promotion or execution on one thing? Other sports have made entire seasons exciting by hyping drafts, yet WWE is running what is supposed to be a hard brand split draft, and they can barely tell you what is happening. Just feels with more focus and more le- or and less distraction, they could be better served, but I guess good wrestling shows aren't what pays the bills. You know, I can understand last week the draft was not the draft could not be you can't be promoting 10 million things at once, but you can have, you know, multiple irons in the fire. And tonight, what else did they have to promote other than the draft? Crown Jewel was how how was Crown Jewel promoted tonight? There was nothing on Team Flair or Team Hogan. There were no uh, participants added to those sides. There were no new matches added. We had the Tyson Fury segment. Well, yeah, that was one segment. That's what I was I was saying, you know, Fury and Strowman, if that was to take place at Crown Jewel. Um, but beyond that, you had two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, it was just it, a lot of matches, a lot of rematches. Lacey and, and you know, like yeah. Natalia had no real kind of uh, future purpose. I mean, maybe Rusev and Bobby Lashley are going to have a match. God, somewhere. Crown Jewel. But how can they do that match in Crown Jewel? Lana can't go. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Can she go? She she could go, right? She. Can... I mean, we're we're gonna have this now every show where it's you know last time, two of the women actually got flowing over there, and then it was a call at the end. They're not doing their match, so like I'm expecting at some point they're gonna get to do a match, and who knows? Like we've seen now the precedent that Renee can do commentary there. So right. I mean, who knows? But. But we've never had, beyond Renee, like, there's been no on-screen presence from a female. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Let's skip down a few here. Tommy from Scotland. They followed up one of the most negatively received matches with one of the most boring Raws that I can remember. I thought WWE was at their best when they had competition. All right. Uh, Okay, we go to... Diana from Pittsburgh, who says, Hey, guys, first time here as I just became a patron this afternoon. Thank you so much, Diana, for joining us. Raw barely kept my attention tonight, and I ended up doing a bunch of different things around the house as if it was on in the background. Tons of cringy segments, and I couldn't believe they opened the show with that awful Lashley Lana promo. I'm sick of Braun being thrown in these weird storylines with people outside of WWE, and the rest of the show really didn't do anything for me. Otherwise, the only match worth watching was Ricochet versus Cruz and Ray's promo. Question, I have a hunch that Seth was supposed to open the show and they scrapped it at the last minute as damage control, which is why Lacey and Natalia might have been so long. What do you think? Do you think the glaring absence of Seth made things worse, or are they hoping we'll just forget the dumpster fire of that main event? I I can't say for sure what the, the thought process was to keep Seth off the show, but I think Seth starting this show would have not been the way to start this show. Certainly would have, would not have been my call. And like, they, it was really peculiar how they like started the the Rusev segment like almost in progress without even any entrances from, from any of the participants there. Um, it was you unique. know before we got to all the Lashley stuff, like the idea of like we cut from the music and boom, there's like physicality going on. I like the like just a change of pace to start yeah. the show and just immediately grab your attention. And here we've got a beatdown going on. And I think that you know, anytime you can uh, you know change just patterns that we're kind of just locked into, 
Um, I was fine with that aspect of how they started the show. Well, it felt like it was a show where they were um, at the beginning, like trying to rush to to cram things into it, to make things, you know, to keep things at an exciting pace. Yet the rest of the show felt awfully slow with very long matches without that much interest. And then segments that maybe just seemed to drag. So I, I, I found that somewhat interesting. Alexander from Portland uh, asks, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like all throughout tonight, the wrestlers were attempting to impress network executives for the draft. Do you think we'll get authority figures for Raw and SmackDown during or after the draft, or will the network executives run the show? I don't think you'll have authority figures anymore because Shane's not around, so there's nobody representing SmackDown. And I don't even know who would be Raw's. Like, is Stephanie still in charge? Like, what? what is that? What's oh, the they've all been that? phased out at this point that yeah. I don't think... You know, it's it's more more than run its course. Um, so in every company, so so you I'm, so you either get nobody, and it's simply like, oh, this person represents, or this person comes out, and you get a raw logo, or this person comes out, and you get a SmackDown logo, or I find it more interesting. Are they going to cast two people to play representatives of Fox and USA? Yeah, well, we've heard the idea bandied about that there could be, you know. Uh, People representing the networks and certainly, you know, WWE loves that stuff that it wouldn't surprise me if you saw like, you know, an Aaron Andrews um, with or without heels on to come out and and draft um, Kalisto or whoever. So I, I, I could see like this is a way for WWE to just showcase their network partners and get, you know, people that are on other series, other talk shows and stuff, bring Ooh. them on and they're representing Fox and USA. So maybe you have Aaron Andrews for Fox, and you have Crisley representing USA. And then Aaron Andrews is interrupted by Shorty Gable. Why? Because he's so short, and she towers over him. Oh, right, okay. Yep. Uh, Brandon from New Jersey. Como estudes, mi amigos? Tis I. The albino rhino man. This episode felt like a bad hangover after drinking too many steam whistle brews. It was bad, man. Like Joe Jackson bad. Like Michael Jackson bad. <laughs> I dug Ray promo and Kabuki Theater's heel Japanese promo and understand the Tyson Fury angle because he is trying to make himself popular on this side of the country. Otherwise, it was a very forgettable, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Carrie Hilson. All right. Adam from Australia, honestly, going through a really tough breakup at the moment, and wrestling has been helping distract me. It's been one of the only things to get me through the days, and after last night and tonight, not sure if I could even be bothered with any wrestling anymore. Might need to find a new escape. Poor one guy. Out, one Poor out guy. of ten. Poor hey, guy, he like... still gave this show a one, so there was a hope here. Well, one is the lowest number we could give on the poll. The poor guy, like, going through a breakup, turning on Raw, and seeing that shit. Like... <laughs> Just, what are you talking about? It's thing. like, I don't know Adam's personal situation, but it can't be as bad as what Rusev is, uh, in theory, in uh, the fictional world going through. So maybe he's realizing, you know what? Things could be worse. Everybody send your thoughts to Adam from Australia. Wrestling will always be there. Listen, Wednesday is just around the corner. Last week was fucking awesome. Everybody had a great time. So um, I'm sure... Um, you know, even like t- tomorrow, you got AEW Dark Impact is doing some pretty good stuff. Um, NWA? NWA is premiering tomorrow. So really great stuff 
God, uh, these I'll Tuesdays to... are going to get pretty nuts in a real quick amount of time. Yeah. Like the, Tuesday's the quote-unquote off night that's going to have an hour of NWA, which I love the fact NWA, like they're not bound by any time restrictions on YouTube and Facebook. 60 minutes. Like that's more than enough. Yeah, for sure. Keep people wanting more. That's the that's the key to success in 2019. But you're going to have NWA Tuesday nights for at least the foreseeable future. Uh, Impact. And now AEW's throwing out what's going to probably amount to at least an hour of content, if not more, with the with the new AEW Dark show that they're putting out. And that's on their YouTube. That's on their YouTube as well. Wow. So t- so Tuesdays are for YouTube and Twitch. Tuesdays are for shows that promotions are hoping that they get an offer for so that they can sell this content. Gotcha. Okay, we got a Josh from Southampton, UK. I had insomnia tonight, so I was really heartened by WWE going out of the way to try to bore me to sleep. Sadly, that opening segment and the thought that a 70-something-year-old man most likely thought it up was enough to give me nightmares. On the plus side, at least Asuka and Kyrie got to do a Japanese promo. <laughs> yes, yes. I guess that's a plus. Um, sure. Rob from Mississauga. Last one here. So I'll be honest. Since Monday Night Football came on, I've been changing channels between that and Raw. I'm watching baseball playoffs tonight. I figured that the opening segment would have Seth Rollins involved in the usual monologue, so I turned it on just to see how it was. Nope, we had Rusev involved in what is going to be my what-the-fuck moment of the year. Goes on to say, I know it sounds kind of cheap to leave feedback for only catching the first segment, but it's gotten to the point of so much stupid stuff on Raw that it makes me go back to when everyone was praising Paul Heyman on board and that he was put on put the show back on in the proper direction. Well, after a few good promising weeks, it's gone to shit once again. So not even he can do a thing to make it better. It, bogg- it boggles my mind with the money USA is paying the WWE now that this is the best that they can come up with. Wednesday can't come fast enough for AEW. You can make a serious argument that the show has been worse since Heyman has been on board. So whatever that means, I don't know. Like I don't think you and I will ever truly know who is responsible for what that we've seen. But ever since you know they made those changes, we've seen these cuckold storylines. We've seen Shorty Gable. We've seen like this shit with Lana and Rusev. So something, something definitely changed, and it hasn't been for the better. All right, that's going to bring an end to the show, everybody. We thank you for listening to Rewind to Raw. We're going to be back. If you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, Rewind Away, number 46 drops on Tuesday night, a review of the 1994 Royal Rumble as we talk about The Undertaker exploding. We talk about... And that's it. That's that, That'll no. be the primate... No, I'm kidding. Come on. There's also the Owen Hart, Bret Hart... Uh, uh, match where they took on a very young PCO and Jacques Rougeau, the Quebecers, uh, leading up to the WrestleMania match between the two of them. So, uh, uh, brothers, the 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 Calgary powers explode on this edition of uh, 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 Rewind Away as well. A, a controversial finish to a Royal Rumble for the very first time. Can it be co-winners of a Royal Rumble match? Well, don't spoil it. It only happened 25 years ago. So find out on Rewind Away Tuesday night. And then we're back Wednesday night, free show, Rewind to Dynamite, as well as Up Next dropping. So go check out postwrestlingcafe.com and postwrestling.com. We are out.